Would you stand with me a moment, please? Whether you're here or there, wherever you're at, joining us this morning, this is more than just hearing an update or a news report. This is about getting on time information and knowledge so that we can be on the cutting edge of what God is doing and wants us to do. You know, prayer without action is like teaching something that you can't be used in the Word of God. I call that impractical theology. But prayer with action is extremely effective. And so we want to be those that today receive knowledge and understanding and then pray effectively. And that we pray with an understanding. For Jesus himself said that we would be able to pray in the Spirit and with understanding. We're going to combine the two. So we've been honored for a tremendous person who's so humble, he doesn't like those words spoken about him, who took it upon himself when the invitation came to come here. How many of you know that all roads lead to Canfield, Ohio? How many of you know that? Coming from the four corners of the earth, so happens he came from San Antonio and, and traveled here on his birthday. Just for you and for me. This man's credentials for him to be able to stand and share what he's about to share with you are impeccable in the sense that he's dedicated his life since the year 2000 to overturning Roe versus Wade. He's been the lead counsel for the woman who had a change in heart and asked for an opportunity to set aside the ruling. He's, he's been able to go into the Supreme Court to argue. He goes there often just to get the pulse of what's going on. He leads people to pray around the Supreme Court and around this nation. He submitted a brief one of the only briefs I think that I've ever heard about that had a whole section that quoted the Word of God prophetically from Isaiah, and it wasn't thrown out. In fact, it was recorded in the Supreme Court. And in that brief, he also supplemented it with evidence of 170,000 testimonies from people that said, I have been gravely injured by having abortions. My spirit has been bruised and has cried out with a moralist cry to the Supreme Court to say, please stop this so it doesn't help to someone else. So I'd like to introduce to you a man of God, our friend, our brother, attorney Alan Parker, who's free to take you where he's gonna take you. And then we're gonna pray. And then after we're going to pray, we do one of the favorite things we like to do in this house. We're going to eat. So, my brother. May I have the microphone, please? Thank you. We'll make sure it's on. Thank you. Can you hear me? All right. Well, please be seated. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I want to first praise God and pray to him. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you. 
you are the father of life. Dear Jesus, you're the prince of life. You died for us, for salvation, for resurrection power to be able to flow through our bodies. Holy Spirit, thank you for being with us here today. Even as Jesus is in heaven seated at the right hand of the Father, the Holy Spirit shows us what to say and what to see and what to hear. So speak today, Holy Spirit. Let us see what we need to see, hear what we need to hear, and do what we need to do. In Jesus' name, to all glory and honor be to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm wearing my battle gear today. That's why I'm wearing my suit and tie. I'm a lawyer. I'm licensed to practice before the United States Supreme Court, and when you're in court, you have to wear a coat and tie. It's part of the rules. And, uh, but I'm also wearing battle gear because I'm here to help mobilize the spiritual army of justice that the Lord is raising up in America. And it's called the Moral Outcry Petition, and your pastor, Frank Amedia, was one of the early endorsers of the Moral Outcry Petition. When nobody else had heard about it, he lent his name as an endorser of it. And now, uh, about a quarter million people in the United States have signed the Moral Outcry Petition. How many of you all have signed it, if you don't mind my asking? Thank you, thank you. And they're going to pass out this card called the Moral Outcry. And on the back, it says, sign the petition, spread the word, end abortion. And you sign the petition at themoraloutcry.com. I know we're live streaming this, so anybody who's listening can sign the petition at themoraloutcry.com. And this is part of what God is doing in America to end the covenant with death, the agreement with the grave that are Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton, the abortion cases in America. All right? And I'm going to be quoting a lot from Isaiah 28. If you have a Bible, you might want to open it up to that. As you continue to pray for the Supreme Court, which is what we're going to be doing, I urge you to read Isaiah 28 and Isaiah 45. Some of you may know Isaiah 45 as the Cyrus passages, and many of you know that our 45th president of the United States has an Isaiah 45 or Cyrus anointing upon him, as it's called. Your pastor was one of the earliest people in America to talk about such things and prophesy that Donald Trump was going to be elected president. And part of the reason that God had him be president of the United States because he is bolder and more of a fighter for the pro-life issue than any Republican candidate has ever been. He stood up in the third debate and said he would appoint two or three justices who would reverse Roe v. Wade. No Republican candidate had ever said that before. They had a little mantra said, we're going to appoint strict constructionists of the Constitution, which is a good idea, but sometimes the traditional Republican candidate, a conservative candidate, might just be one who preserves the status quo. But when the status quo includes the crime against humanity of abortion, it must be reversed. And we must return to the original Constitution, which has a right to life 
in the 5th and 14th Amendments of the Constitution. So there's no right to abortion in the Constitution. The reason people are afraid that it'll be overturned is because it was just the opinion of judges. And the Supreme Court has gotten it wrong lots of times. They've reversed their own decisions over 200 times. They're not infallible. But when they're wrong, they have the duty to correct their own errors. And that's why this petition to the United States Supreme Court called the Moral Outcry calls upon them to reverse their abortion cases. And there's five reasons under the Moral Outcry petition. Number one is abortion is a crime against humanity. Like the Dred Scott decision by the U.S. Supreme Court, which said to slaves, you'll never be persons under the Constitution, we'll never get rid of slavery, and their horrible decision caused the Civil War. Instead of being able to resolve the matter peacefully, bloodshed was required. Let us hope that's not necessary again. And our prayers and our action need to make that happen. It's also a uh, crime against humanity. A crime against humanity occurs when the government withdraws legal protection from a class of human beings. Think about that. In history, when can you think of a place where a government said to a class of people, we're not going to give you any legal protection? Horrible injustices occurs. Another one the Supreme Court committed was segregation in America, where African Americans were not treated equal, but separate but equal was okay. And it was the Supreme Court of the United States in 1896 in Plessy v. Ferguson who did that. But we remind the court in 1954, they did one of their greatest cases that was led by the Christian Civil Rights Movement, Reverend Martin Luther King, and the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, his organization, led the Civil Rights Movement. And the Supreme Court in 1954 reversed a 58-year-old president of the United States Supreme Court, Plessy versus Ferguson, that had said separate but equal was okay. And the court said, well, now we know separate but equal is not okay. And so they reversed it. So just calling abortion a crime against humanity is severe criticism of the decision, and it says it's very, very wrong. So let's say together three times, abortion is a crime against humanity. 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 Now, that's severe criticism. You may remember when Justice Kavanaugh went through the hearing from hell, and he got confirmed to the Supreme Court anyway, because this president has a prophetic calling on his life to end abortion in America, and the justices have a prophetic calling to end abortion, he was asked by Senator Collins, according to her in her testimony from the floor of the Senate, if Justice Kavanaugh, now keep in mind, she's an abortion supporter. If five judges thought Roe v. Wade was wrongly decided, is that enough under the law of precedent to justify overturning the court decision? And he said no. It's not enough. And that was a little bit disheartening, but he has co-authored a book on the law of judicial precedent. When do you follow precedent? When do you not follow precedent? When do you overturn it or when do you follow it? There's rules for all of that, the rule of law. And there is an important precedent that, that stability in the law is an important concept. 
But when it's grievously wrong and when it's severely criticized, that's a reason for overturning Supreme Court decisions. And he wrote and co-authored a book with Justice Gorsuch with a foreword by Justice Breyer, and section 47D on that book says, a reason for overturning a Supreme Court precedent if it has been met with general protest, dissatisfaction, or severe criticism. Okay? That book came out in 2016 before either Gorsuch or Kavanaugh were on the short list, before Donald Trump was even the nominee. But now there's two judges on the Supreme Court who think that severe criticism is a reason for overturning the Supreme Court. But there's more. The second reason is when there's a major change in law or circumstances, you change the law. Okay, and, and the second, so the first reason is abortion is a crime against humanity. Second, the court said in 1973, they literally said this, at this stage in the development of man's knowledge, we don't know when life begins. So they did what they thought was helpful to women, gave them the right to abortion. Now science, undeniably, and even abortionists themselves admit that abortion is taking the life of the, a human being, a member of the species, homo sapiens, the same as you and me. Human mothers and human fathers produce human children. And now the science shows that. So under the law of precedence, when science changes, the law changes. And DNA testing shows this. Didn't come out in the courts until 1985. Uh, same way with sonograms. They didn't exist in 1973. So new science shows life begins at conception. And I believe Justice Roberts will write an opinion that says the court in 1973 did the best it could. But now that science has changed, no one wants to be stuck in 1970 science. The third argument is that the court wanted to help women with the burden for many women of unwanted child care. We believe every child's a blessing from the Lord, but not everybody in America believes that or feels that. The court didn't know that giving millions of women the right to an abortion would result in a death and injury to the soul of millions of women. They didn't know that the suicide rate would, would skyrocket. They didn't know that it would lead to devastation, promiscuity, substance abuse, suicide attempts, and grave moral injury. But now we do. And the Supreme Court has even said in 2007, some women come to regret aborting the infant life they once created and sustained. Severe depression and loss of esteem can follow. And you know why they said that? We know why. Because they quoted to the brief of Sandra Kano, who was the Doe of Dovey Bolton, one of the two cases that will be reversed. She wrote a brief with 180 women hurt by abortion. And those women gave their testimonies of the devastation that abortion did to their life. As Pastor Frank was mentioning, uh, there were 180 women in that brief. It was written by the Justice Foundation lawyers. And Justice Kennedy cited to the two pages of our brief where the women's testimonies were. How do we overcome Satan? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimonies. Amen. So you can go to Operation Outcry if you've had an abortion and give us your testimony. 
We'll protect your identity. You tell us whether to use your full name, first name, or initials only, and we'll give your testimony to the courts and legislatures considering banning re or rejecting abortion. If you think abortion is a good thing, you're not going to ban it or restrict it. And the testimonies of the women who've had abortions are critical. Now, if you've had an abortion, there is healing and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. You may feel like it's the unforgivable sin. Women have described to me, everything I know is from about 4,600 legally admissible testimonies that women have given us. You may feel like a murderer. You may feel like God could never forgive you. But God says, I love you. I died on the cross, even for the sin of abortion, even multiple abortions. And God is willing to give you forgiveness if you confess that what you've done is wrong, sin, and ask God for forgiveness. So the fourth reason then is there's now a major change in the law in America that's a better way for women to be free of the burden of unwanted child care. And that's the safe haven law in all 50 states. No woman has to have an abortion to be free of the burden of caring for a child she doesn't want or feels she can't take care of at this stage in her life. She can, under safe haven laws, she can drop the baby off at a hospital or fire station near her home within a certain set period of time after birth, and the state will take the baby from her. No legal procedure, no death of a child, no cost, unlike abortion, which can be very expensive. It's free to the poor and the rich. It's equally available. So we can say, don't kill the baby, don't hurt yourself, give us the child under the safe haven laws. And uh, you can go to National Safe Haven Alliance or Google Safe Haven Laws, and there's a map of all 50 states. It varies from like three days in some states to a year in North Dakota. And uh, usually it's three, six, 30, 60, or 90 days. And uh, North Dakota didn't put a, lot, a limit in it when they first passed the law. And you know who was using it the most? Mothers of teenagers. So they had to put a, a limit in the law. All right. So we say, don't kill the baby. Don't hurt yourself. Give us the child. The last argument is what will happen to those people, the children that are given life. There's a million people in America waiting to adopt newborn infants. How many of you know someone who's waiting to adopt a child? Okay, there are some who know it. Many are waiting in secrecy. They don't talk about it a lot. But there's over a million every year waiting to adopt newborn children. So we can move forward to a new society, yes. So again, the five arguments are don't kill the baby. It's a crime against humanity for us to not protect children. Don't hurt yourself. This is mercy for the woman, justice for the baby. Don't kill the baby, but mercy for the woman. Don't hurt yourself, and if you can't take care of the baby, we will help you. And then there's a million people waiting to adopt newborn children to provide loving homes. So this is what God has put in place. There's no group that can take credit for it. In about 15 years, this major change in law from 1999 in Texas when George W. Bush passed the first law called a baby Moses law at that time. Now they're called safe haven laws across the country. All right. So that's kind of the legal part of it. That's enough. I want to cover a little bit of the spiritual aspect. 
The Lord told us in the year 2000 to begin to collect the testimonies of women hurt by abortion. And in that Isaiah 28 passage, he said uh, to the mocking judges who rule his people in Jerusalem, Behold, you've made a covenant with death. You've made an agreement with the grave. You don't think the overwhelming scourge will reach you because you've covered yourself with fraud and deception. And that's what Roe and Doe are. Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton are a covenant with death entered into by the Supreme Court on January 22, 1973. Okay? But God says, Thus saith the Lord to those mockers, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a sure foundation. He who believes will not be disturbed or in a hurry. That's Jesus. He's the answer, isn't it? He says, I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. Hail will sweep away the refuge of lies. Waters will overflow the secret place. And your covenant with death will be annulled. The agreement with the grave will not stand. That is the promise of God. I later found out that the abolitionist of slavery had called the Dred Scott decision, the U.S. Supreme Court decision which constitutionalized slavery forever, even though the Constitution itself had banned the slave trade, they called Dred Scott a covenant with death, an agreement with the grave, and they burned that decision in front of the Supreme Court. The other thing it said in there, I had been saying to God, God, do you really want me to do this? Is this really you? Lord, this is pretty serious. Do you want us to do this? And for the first time in my life, I kind of said, Lord, do you want us, will we win? Because this was a major change for our, my ministry at the time. And uh, I said, no one can break through the stronghold of abortion. I literally said, God, it's the biggest brick wall in the law. There's nothing like it. We lawyers call it the abortion distortion. It's a brick wall. Nobody can break through. So the Lord brought this passage to my attention. And then in... 28.18, it says, For I, the Lord, will rise up as at Mount Perizim. I'll be stirred up in the valley of Gibeon to do my amazing work, my extraordinary, unusual, and alien task. Wow. I thought, okay, Lord, you're going to do it. But what does that mean? Baal Perizim is where we learn the name of the Lord the master of breakthroughs. It's where the breaker anointing comes from. And I'm so honored to be in a house with a breaker anointing on it. And we need to start using the breaker anointing now. Between now and October 1st, we need to pray. Pastor Frank is going to be with us on the steps of the Supreme Court October 1st when we lay out 250,000 or more petitions to the U.S. Supreme Court. Okay, so I had the scripture, and look what we've seen. First of all, I believe the waters overflowing the secret place are part of the tears of women as they give these testimonies. No woman's ever filled out the affidavits without crying about it. And we as a nation need to mourn for what we've done. I believe the election of Donald Trump was the most amazing, unusual, and alien thing in American political history, wasn't it? You don't have to be a prophet to see it in hindsight, do you? 
they still think he's the most alien president we've ever had. Amen. And I don't worship Donald Trump. I love him as my president. And he's not the Savior, but he's evidence that there is a Savior. Amen. He is evidence that there is a Savior who has intervened in the affairs of our history to turn things around. We're in the middle of a turnaround. Now, the moral outcry was born in, born in prayer. Melinda Tebow is our client, and she was the pro-life prayer director at International House of Prayer in Kansas City, and she was praying, Lord, what do you want us to do? How do we bring about this end of abortion? And this thing is the result of millions of people praying for the end of abortion. It's God who's doing everything, and he hears the prayers of his people. And all of the people who prayed in front of abortion facilities, everyone who's prayed in churches across tonight. In the fullness of time, this wall will fall. This wall will fall. This wall will fall. Just like the Berlin Wall fell in 1989, almost 80 years ago, this no, excuse me, 30 years ago, this November. But I studied international right, human rights in June in Strasbourg, France. I saw Gorbachev uh, come to the palace of uh, the European human rights capital in Strasbourg, France. And no one of the experts predicted that in three months later, the Berlin Wall would fall and lead to the collapse of the Soviet Union. It will be the same way with Doe and Roe coming down. Though... Though I will say, the other side is screaming bloody murder that it is coming down right now. So we had the election of Donald Trump. Then you remember, we had the amazing, unusual nuclear option that it took to get Neil Gorsuch on the court. Remember, the Senate broke the filibuster, the nuclear option to get him on board. And then we have Kavanaugh and what I call the hearing from hell. People were literally growling in the capital of the United States during that vote. I don't know if you heard it, but the channel that I got it, it, they were growling in the halls and it echoed. There were people who were clawing at the doors of the U.S. Supreme Court because he was put in place. So it's not about us, it's about him. And God is doing amazing things. Um, we're in a battle. These next 12 months on the Hebraic calendar, which starts... Uh, uh, with Rosh Hashanah this year on September 28th, there are going to be battles. This is a battle time. We're going to see 12 months, 12 rounds, and a knockout blow. That's the word of James Nesbitt, who did a Justice Over the Waters tour of the Mississippi, and he felt that that's what he received. The Lord took me on a trip in the month of uh, July, no, the month of August, uh, early August. Uh, and I visited some, I was on a vacation, but I ended up visiting major battlegrounds that have determined the history of the North American continent. I was at the Plains of Abraham in front of Quebec, where the British and the French fought a battle for control of North America, and the British won, uh, which made Canada British and North America, including us, British. There were many battlefields along the Nova Scotia area and Canada, Quebec. Then I ended up in um, Lexington, Lexington Commons, and uh, 
That was where 70 members of the militia stood against 700 British redcoats. And neither side had orders to fire. Both sides were ordered, don't fire unless you're fired upon. And uh, yet the battle broke out. Uh, the British kind of tended to win that battle. They had overwhelming superiority. But then they had to retreat, and they went to the old North Bridge, and the Americans fired back. Then they had to retreat all the way to Boston. And the abortion clinics have been shut down all over America. Once people began to pray for 40 days in front of the abortion clinics, the number of abortion facilities has plummeted to where they can go to the Supreme Court and say, if you shut down this clinic, it's the last one in the state. There'll be no place to get abortions. That's a major victory. And when you're under assault and the, your opponent is winning, you retreat into your mega death center, your castles. That's what's happened to Planned Parenthood now. They're having mega death centers where they centralize it and everybody has to go there to get an abortion because they're under assault by Lord God Almighty. And then they retreated to Boston and the militia rose up and 20,000 militia members eventually surrounded Boston. General Washington took the heights and put his cannon on it and because they commanded the heights, the British army packed up, got on the ships and sailed away. Now, there was still a seven-year battle after this. So I'm calling you to join the battle. I'm calling every one of you who has not signed the moral outcry petition to sign the moral outcry petition. That's the first step. Anybody can do it in America. You don't have to be a woman who's had an abortion. You don't have to be a pastor. If you believe abortion is a crime against humanity, that God hates the shedding innocent blood, that we need to protect women and children and give the babies to families that are desperately waiting and spending years waiting and ten or fifteen thousand dollars to adopt a baby, let's help everybody. Let's love them all. Let's love the baby, love the mother, and love the families that are waiting to have children you believe in that, sign the petition. And I believe your name will be recorded in heaven and on earth. In heaven, because I believe God writes a book of remembrance. In the book of Zechariah and in the book of Malachi, he says, I'm writing a book of remembrance of the discussion of those who feared the Lord. We better fear the Lord. God hates the shedding of innocent blood. Thomas Jefferson said, I tremble for my country when I remember that God is just and his justice never sleeps. We have killed 60 million people. We deserve the death of at least 60 million Americans. But God is merciful. If we return to him, God says, America, if you return to me, I will return to you. But if we do not repent, if we do not turn, then God is a judge. It's appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. That's why you must repent and turn to God and accept the free gift of eternal life in this life if you're a human being. There's no reincarnation. You don't get a second chance. You get a bunch of chances in life. You won't be able to stand before God and say, I didn't know. You'll know. You'll have heard the message somewhere. Your heart will have been pricked. You will not be able to stand for it. You go look at the heavens and see there's a God. The evidence is overwhelming. You must repent or be judged. So please accept the repentance and salvation of the Lord. As a nation, though, God judges in the temporal. 
And so we pray that there'll be no civil war. We pray that there'll be no massive destruction and massive human life. But as Abraham Lincoln said during the, second, during the Civil War, it, which cost 600,000 American lives, still the most costly war in terms of life in American history, that the judgments of the Lord are altogether true and just. So we need to pray. We need to pray. We're going to lay out the first quarter million. I said that your name would be recorded in heaven and earth. The way it's recorded in earth, when you sign the petition, then we, the Justice Foundation, on behalf of Melinda Tebow, the founder, will record your names in our friend of the court briefs in abortion-related cases. Okay? So your name will be in our brief. Right now, there is a brief on behalf of Melinda in one of the cases that will be decided on October 1st. There are two abortion cases before the Supreme Court on October 1st, and it's a miracle of God that he picked that day. We were going to do the march anyway, and neither of these cases was on the docket, but now both of them are on the docket. The court will meet in the building in a private room, just the judges. It's not oral argument like you see. This is when they decide what cases are we going to take and which ones do we just deny. They take eight or nine, they get eight or nine thousand applications a year. They only take 80 to 90 cases. So 99% of the time they say, no, 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 no. The decision below stands. But that doesn't have any precedent, but it, it, the cases they take then get oral argument and they make law. Their purpose is to find the law, and the law of God says, thou shalt not murder. And we need to restore proper respect for God's law and the Judeo-Christian tradition of American law to our country. I believe that even the kinds of judges who would reverse Roe v. Wade might also allow school prayer, voluntary school prayer, that we might be a Christian nation with religious liberty. Because we have committed the four great sins that can bring national destruction. Number one is forsaking God. That's the worst sin of all. Number two is shedding blood on a massive scale. Number three is uh, gross sexual immorality on a massive scale. And number four is greed. And there's some of all of that even in the church of God. There's some of that in the body of Christ. We need to look at ourselves first. When we talk about repentance, we need to repent first. And judgment starts at the house of God because our sins are worse than anybody else because we have more knowledge and light than anybody else. We know better, and we have a higher obligation. We know we're commanded to pray for those in authority. 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 8. I exhort men particularly to pray for those in authority. So I'm urging you to pray for the Supreme Court. We need to do that uh, right now, I think. And uh, Pastor Frank, if you want to come up too, and I think it's time to just sort of start praying for the Supreme Court. Um, so if you would stand with me, please. Hmm.
The word of the Lord is that the wall will fall. So let's just begin to say, the wall will fall. 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 The law will fall. The wall will fall. The wall will fall. The wall will fall in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If any of you need healing for the sin of abortion, just everybody else, close your eyes. If you need healing from participating in abortion, paying for abortion, having an abortion, or making someone else get an abortion, just raise your hand, and the Lord wants to give you forgiveness at this time. Raise your hand and say, forgive me, Father. Heal me, Father for everything that I've done. Heal our nation, Lord. Bring forth a healing cry. Thank you for the abortion recovery leaders that you yes. have raised up across the nation. Thank you that there's healing for the deep layer of, of wounds that takes the life of a child inside the mother's body, Lord. Forgive them, Father. They know not what they've done. Father, we ask you to forgive the abortionist. They know not what they do. We ask you to forgive the Supreme Court. They know not what they do. Forgive us, Almighty God. Even we have not realized the enormity of what we have allowed to occur in our nation, Lord. We ask for salvation and repentance and healing for every one of the humans, Lord. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, against the world forces of darkness, against the abortion power. Lord, we ask you to bind the abortion power in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We bind abortion power. We say the Lord rebuke you in Jesus' name. The Lord rebuke you in Jesus' name. Amen. Lift up your voices, church. Pray with the spirit. Pray with the understanding. Let's put a layer of spiritual incense up into the nostrils of the Father right now. This is a house of prayer. This is a house of moving in the spirit of God and the power of God. Send it up right now. And I, I, I heard a, a heart throb from the Lord as Alan was speaking. And and. It, it, it's a little bit unique, but, but it's a message to those who have had the pain of having experienced abortion or participated in any way, and those online too. In fact, there's, there's a woman watching. Your name is Renee. And uh, I don't even think you're from Ohio, the Lord says. And you've been trying to find the root of depression in your life, and the Lord says this has been the root, the stronghold. And today, today, that stronghold is removed in Jesus' name. And you will know the joy of the Lord in Jesus' name. I, I want you to also know this, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And unborn children have a soul and a spirit. That spirit is still alive. 
That spirit isn't dead. The body may have died, but the spirit is alive. And that spirit right now is being cuddled in the arms of those that the Lord has made attendance unto the unborn. And so, yes, their life here was cut short, but their eternal life has not been taken away. God has put them in their arms, and someday, someday, we shall meet them. And you will not find them with tears in their eyes. You will find them with the joy of the Lord. So please, focus on that. Yes, all sin is sin before God. There's no sin in gradations of God. All sin needs to be washed in the blood of Jesus. So in this instance, we're those who can rejoice that just as we were baptized with him unto death, so are we resurrected with him unto life. This is the word of the Lord. So I want you to rejoice in that today. We haven't come here to mourn. We've come here as warriors. We've come here to change and to seize. Seize. There's a word translated in the New Testament. It says apprehend. But what it means literally is for a warrior to seize. Paul says, I've not yet attained to that which Christ has apprehended for me. And so we want to attain now to that which Christ has seized for us. And for us and for our generations, both those past, present, and future. So we want to be strong in this moment. Yes, repentant hearts. But the Lord heard our prayers. He heard our cries. He's heard the prayer of your heart right now. Let this be the beginning of something new. Let us be those who believe God with radical faith that this is an appointed hour, time, and place. Don't be moved by numbers. God never was. God always took glory by having immeasurable victories with the least amount. We are those who God has called to stand with Alan and those who have been raised up for such a time as this here in this nation. Now we wanna pray, we wanna pray with a fervor, we wanna pray with the spirit. And we don't want it to just be an episode of prayer that ceases now. We wanna make a covenant together and with God. We're gonna to continue to pray. The one thing that we've been honored to do in ministry with POTUS Shield and, 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 and ourselves at Touch Heaven has to go in covenant with Alan and those who are on the forefront. To go in covenant with Alveda King, our dear sister, who's a mother in this house, beloved sister, and to say we will not relent until we see this is done in this nation. And then it's a bigger world. If Alan had time, he'd share with you, and maybe if you watch TCT this week, he'll be doing programs. He may be able to share about what's, what's been happening in China, the largest country. Abortion is rampant. That's why we're so honored to have Pastor May and, 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 and Pastor Jeff here and our Chinese church brothers and sisters because China is represented in what we're praying for right now. They're unborn being killed in China at rates that are even stronger than here. We must stand up. We must be the voice. We must believe God that the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to cover everything in the kingdom of God. 
we must believe God. So I want to ask, first of all, Pastor Jeff, if you'll lead us in some prayer. Can I have the microphone a moment? Father God, we thank you and we praise you for this day. Father, as we pray, we come against the spirit of cunningness and the wisdom of wickedness that explains that this is not a child. But Father, we know that any pregnancy is your potential in this earth. We ask you, Father, that you would raise up that potential, that we would be able to, to, to destroy this law, this ruling that allows us to so easily and readily and available dispose of life. Father, that is not your will because you said be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth so their wisdom is wrong and we cast it down now in the name of Jesus as the church of Jesus Christ. We cast it down now. Father, we ask you right now, Father, for the spirit to move on all of those that are at the forefront, that you would protect them. And that, Father, you would keep them from being uh, attacked and keep them from being withheld. That, Father, that your will would go through in this, that this nation might heal again. Now, Father, you we've cried out for years and years, and you raised up at least a leader that is going to do what you wanted done, whether he's righteous, unrighteous, or whatever. It doesn't matter because for your purposes, things are being done. And we thank you, Father, for it because you brought us to this day. You brought us here because of the cry of your children. Now let those voices not go unheard, Father, of the unborn child.
released into the earth. And we call forth, Lord, we call forth the edict of life in the name of Jesus. Father, we call forth your word to produce, God, the life that you have instilled in the bodies of women and in the seed that has come forth, Father. We declare, Lord, that you shall speak to each judge, each judge that has been set in their place, that they will not be able to shake off the hand of God and the conviction of your spirit. Father, we send the conviction of the Holy Spirit into their rooms, into their lives, before their eyes, when they open their hearts, that they shall move with compassion, that they shall He can forgive you. He can forgive you. You don't have to carry the guilt and shame. Because remember what Jesus did. 
We thank you, give us this opportunity. We offer our heart to you. With China and Taiwan, now we pray for China and Taiwan. So these are all you said. You have many, many chosen names in You have chosen a lot of your daughters and sons there. Hey, 未来的这些还没有还没有还没有信主的这些朋友们。And the future sons and daughters who are not born yet, will offer their lives to you. It's our great pity. In Babies were aborted. 还没有见到阳光的时候，他们就不见了。Before they can see the sunshine, they were left. They left the world. 主，我们为这些小的生命而祷告。We pray for those little lives. 主，我们求你的怜悯他们。Your mercy on them. 这个求主能够救拔他们起来。You deliver them. 奉耶稣基督的名。In your name of Jesus. 我们要宣告。We proclaim. 在这中国的里面。In all areas of China. 在台湾海峡里两岸的里面。Yes. In all areas of Taiwan. 这些人都要在人要人大人大人上拯救他们起来。You rescue them, every one of them. Yes. 打破这个打破他们这个观念里面，生命是不重要的。You break through these bondages. Oh. 主求主。Then they think life is not worth. 求主真的是改变这个。
改变这个改变这个这个国家。Situation called the Negro Movement, and she was able to coerce great African American preachers to agree with her that these poor black children, although she named three groups, she said black. She wanted to rid the world of black, white. I mean, black, yellow, and poor white babies. That was her statement. In doing so, she was able to coerce these pastors into laying a hold of that movement, which was in、uh, some very, very good people, like even Dr. Martin Luther King. I hate to say that, but they went along with this. And today, instead of us being the number one minority in this country, we are now the number three minority because they have whittled us down. With this law of abortion, I can't just get my people to just do this. So I need the concerted prayers of this body here and on TV, on on online, everywhere, to agree with me that this damnable thought and racist attitude、yes. is destroyed once and for、yes. all. We kill our children off at two times the rate of any other race. Twenty-eight percent of the abortions in this country are African American. Twenty-eight percent. We make up twelve percent to fifteen percent of the population. So understand that that is a mindset, and the people that are responsible is first of all the devil, of、yes. course. 
but those that are crying, the woman's right to choose, the woman's right to choose. Yes, it is the woman's right to choose what she does with her body, but that baby is not her body. That is another body altogether. It's a separate body. So please agree in prayer with me that this nasty, damnable thought be destroyed once and forever. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we lift up our voices right now. We ask you, Father, that you would move on our behalf and that you would move, Father, against this thing that has destroyed life after life after life of all nations. Father, we give it to you, but that mindset alone in this country because this country has, has done many, many, many things to stop African-American people. Not what some people are saying it is, but this is one of those where they really want to get rid of African-Americans. We ask you, Father, that you would lift up a standard against it yes, and lift your people up out of it in the name of Jesus. I cry out to you, Lord, for my people and for this, this situation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And Planned Parenthood is coming down. He's speaking of Planned Parenthood. It's coming down at the same time. The foundation of Planned Parenthood is racism. It is the most effective racist organization in America. Yes, it is. They kill more African Americans than anybody else by a, a country mile. And Isaiah 45 says that uh, Cyrus will shatter the doors of bronze and the doors of the Supreme Court on, at the front at the stop, top, top of the steps, those are bronze doors. And uh, so he says also, will the clay say to the potter, this is Isaiah 45, so pray this a lot during these hundred days. Will the clay say to the potter, what are you doing? Or the thing you're making say, he has no hands? Woe to him who says to a father, what are you begetting? In modern days, it'd be like saying to a father, why are you bringing a child into this world? What are you doing having children? We got enough babies in the world. You're gonna destroy the climate if you have another baby. That's woe to these people, says the Lord. Or who says to a woman, to what are you giving birth? Why are you having this baby? God loves babies. God loves life. Choose life, not death. Choose life, not death. Choose life in Jesus' name. One of the assignments of our generation, our country right now, our president, and this is Supreme Court, is to undo one of the greatest injustices in the history of mankind. As sickening, as disgusting, as different genocides have been throughout the earth, we could name them. When dealt with finally in a moralist attitude, those who were the perpetrators and led it are brought to a, a world court justice system, whether they were Nazis, whether they were brought through for the genocide in Africa, 
wherever it was at, they're hunted and eventually brought to a justice. But yet there's no justice for the unborn. God has put literally the authority of life and death in this country in the hands of a few men and women. We call them the Supreme Court. They're only the Supreme Court of this nation. But we are those who belong to another nation as well. And the Word of God says that we have been made into a holy nation. Because of that, the scales of righteousness are vested in you and in I through faith in Christ. Our powers are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And we realize that this country may be only second to slavery, but maybe even Jeff equivalent to slavery has never experienced a greater stronghold. Slavery was an injustice in the flesh and in society, while abortion is a slavery of the spirit and also the flesh and society. It's our turn. It's our time to have a moral outcry. It's our call to stand up and say no more. We have a tremendous asset as our resource. He's called the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He's called the Captain of the Lord of Hosts. He's called the Lamb of God. He's called the Mighty God. He's called the God of Righteousness, the God of Mercy and Grace. He calls himself a man of war. And he's a God that is relentless to forgive and restore. He's a God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. One of the greatest heart cries as we get towards the end of our holy scriptures, it says, Jesus, come quickly. Well, yes, that is for the coming of the Messiah, but it's also for the intercession and the intervention of Jesus Christ in our lives here in the now. So Jesus, come quickly. Intercede, intervene, change hearts like only you can change. Visit people in the nighttime like only you can visit. Shed forth dreams upon the leadership of this country. Let there be children and grandchildren to these Supreme Court justices and to the leaders of Congress that stand forward and say, Papa, Mama, Daddy, Uncle, it's time to change. Look what you're doing to us. Let the same resolve be in our young people to change the curse of this land that some have to change the climate of this country. Let the same passion be in this nation and in us, the body of Christ, to be willing to give all 
so that this can be changed. Father, the word of the Lord came and was true. You said at 3.30 a.m. November 9th, 2016, so clearly, tell my people to humble and pray. You said that you would sweep the hallowed halls and pillars of the Supreme Court justices and system. Father, you've been doing it, but the work needs to be finished. Lord, we ask you to change the hearts of some of those justices, to open their ears and let their eyes see, to let them not be moved, Father, by a precedence that only keeps us in bondage to spiritual slavery. Father, we ask you, Lord, to change the hearts of those that you know you will change now. Father, we pray a tough prayer. Remove those who need to be removed if they will not change. Save their souls, O oh Lord. We ask you, Father, to let that third justice that you prophesied in the wee hours of that morning, to let that justice manifest. Whether it be a transformation of one on the court or one new. And Lord, we pray for those justices that are on that court, that are waffling, that are worried, Father, about what they would say or wouldn't say. We pray, Father, that you let their minds be established in Christ this hour. And we pray, Father, that this president, who will get another nomination to the Supreme Court, in no way compromise for political reasons, but that he gets even stronger. And that, Father, that you prevail through him and this Senate to put an outspoken person, whether it be she or he, and I believe it's a she, on that court that will stand strongly and say, yes, I will not be moved by precedent. I will be moved by what must be done now. Let the outcry come if it must, Father. But Lord, you do it and do it quickly. And do it as you promised, Father, in this season. Bring it forth, Lord. We call it forth. We declare it now. Because this is the word of the Lord. This is the will of God. And this is the time. We thank you for it, Lord. We raise your name up, and we ask you, Father, to go before us, to lift your banner high, and to hear the cries of our voices. Deliver us, O oh, deliverer, now in this time. And we pray in the name above all names, the only name that every knee must bow and every tongue confess, is Christ the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. October 1, there's going to be the event we spoke about on the steps of the Supreme Court. Now, some of you may want to go. I don't know. How many of you went to Woodstock? How many of you wish you'd have gone to Woodstock? Yeah, see, I chose to work as a grocery boy that day, not because I had any moral issues, because I needed some money. 
But whenever we have an opportunity in our life to do something and be somewhere that's historical, maybe you ought to consider it. It's about a five, five and a half hour drive if you make a stop to Washington, D.C. It's in the morning, so maybe go the night before if you want to save some money. Stay outside of Washington one hour. The rooms are a lot less money. Get up early, drive in. Get there early so you get a parking spot early in the morning and be, at the, be on the steps and pray. Not only pray, but your very presence intimidates all the powers of darkness. Because wherever you go, the righteousness of the Lord shines on you and through you. If you cannot, then take a moment and join with prayer at that hour in that day. The hour is 11? 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. And continue to pray. Let's see it get completed in our watch. Christian camp outside Washington, only 30. How do they find that? Contact the Justice Foundation and you could stay in a place for $30 outside Washington. How's good is that? That's a good deal. All right. I'd like to take an offering, if I may, please. We do that in this church. <laughs> we have bills to pay. We have things to do. By the grace of God, we take 10% of all of our offerings and we commit it to the missions that God gives us. Because of you and your support, we have now been able to fund half of the cost of a new church in Burundi, which we sent last week. That's one of our churches. That's a Touch Heaven Church in Africa. That's our 33rd church. And um, we, we ordained that pastor a year and a half ago and sent him there. And he's bearing fruit. And the church is growing. And we thank him for that. So we don't want to let that sun down. We want to help him. We have other causes and things to deal with. We will be making a contribution today to the foundation on behalf of this church. We want to sow into this work because this is a work of God. I won't talk about the sacrifices that some have, but I've heard tell that somebody and his wife sold their home so they would have more funds to do the cause of God. That's called selling out to God. When people sell out to God, that's kingdom. If it's kingdom, I'm in. For me and my house, we go with you. And we thank God for that. So if you're online, you'd like to make an offering or just hit your donate button, it's Touch Heaven. If you're using a credit card or a check, it's Touch Heaven. We do account for it. And if we have your information, we send you something at the end of the year. And we also thank you. We'd also like you to make sure that you're on our email list so that we can stay in touch with you. And you could receive the weekly e-blast, one or two that come out. Typically, I write a, a short message on one. Sometimes I preach it Sunday, sometimes I don't. But we thank you for your support. We also thank you for letting us know who you are, wherever you are. It's so encouraging to us to hear from you and to know that we're joined together in the family of God, however we are. Thank you for that. Have we completed our collection? You could just hold it back there and I'm going to pray over it.
Somebody's up here with an envelope. Gary's got it. There's another one there. Gary, he'll catch you on the way back, son. There's one there, Gary. Thank you. Okay, let me pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the generosity of the heart of the giving of this house and those who are with us online. Father, we ask you to bless equally the giver and the one who could not give. Let us share in the harvest of what you've done and what's been sown. Most of all, Father, we lift it up to you. We ask you, Lord, to multiply and to allow us to be good stewards of what you've done and to bless those whom you have us bless and to keep the house of God in excellence for you. For only you are worthy, Father. We thank you for it, Lord. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to release you. Um, please don't leave. If you're visiting, don't leave. Um, there's a tremendous feast that's just about to be served. We have the fellowship hall downstairs. I know they're grilling outside. We have uh, a very, very universal uh, buffet of food here today. So many things. Tacos, Chinese, Italian, Slovak, Polak, Hungarian, German, I don't know what else it is. Pardon? Would I bless the food? No, but you will. How's that? Thank you. It's on. Anyway, sing happy birthday. Uh, to, um, Alan Parker, yes. would you stand up? And my, there's a big birthday cake because my husband's birthday was last week. And so we're going to celebrate both of your birthdays. Can we sing happy birthday, please? Ready? Jeff, can you, can you sing happy birthday? Jeff, will you lead us, please? Jeff, happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday to you.